0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Crossover Crosstime podcast for another one of our bonus episodes. Uh, this time, our franchise focus for the New Orleans Pelicans, formerly the New Orleans Hornets, um, the franchise dating back to the 2002 debut of the New Orleans Hornets in New Orleans. Um, for our franchise focus segments, we do three things. Firstly, we talk about the, the current team's direction and outlook for the future. We then talk about a historic team from that franchise's history. And then finally, we talk about a notable and or legendary player from that franchise's history. So without further ado, let's go ahead and dive right into it. Um, <clears throat> the Pelicans don't have a very, uh, I don't know, they, it's its a very intriguing outlook for the team at the moment. Um, this is a team that last year, last season, had a very surprise uh, fr- surprising birth in the playoffs they were a uh, a tenth seed going into the play-in tournament they were the very bottom seed of the four seeded play-in tournament teams and they wind up finding their way finding their way to the eighth seed in the playoffs and a first round matchup with the Phoenix Suns uh, they eventually lost that series to the Suns but it was a very promising turn for this Pelicans franchise. Uh, you know, since the trade, the Anthony Davis trade to the Lakers, there had been, uh, you know, some some uh, exciting potential with the drafting of Zion Williamson. They they got back Brandon Ingram in that Anthony Davis trade, so he was a promising uh, player. He has already been an All Star once or twice with the Pelicans. In the very recent trade for C.J. McCollum. Uh, they also have Jonas Valanciunas they have all sorts of talented pieces to be a top team in the Western Conference and 2022 last season looked like the beginning of that turn they would start making that push and they were without Zion much of that season uh, and they started this season really fulfilling on that or uh, you know making good on that potential they were at one point a top two or three seed in the western conference they were playing incredible basketball they had they were a healthy team and then zion got hurt and since then they've been struggling mightily they're currently uh you know ninth or tenth in the west um 32 and 34 is their record uh As I'm looking at this right now, I'll be honest. I'm doing a couple of these episodes a few days ahead of ahead of time because I'll be uh, out of town uh, Friday and Saturday. Saturday, especially when this when this uh, goes live. But um, you know, they've had they've they've struggled without Zion. They've also been without Brandon Ingram at various points. They've been without CJ McCollum for a little while too. Valanciunas. They've just not been healthy at all. And that's really decimated this team's uh, hopes for this season. And I have concerns as far as I don't want this to impact the franchise's outlook on the head coach, Willie Green. I think he did a phenomenal job last season guiding this team to a playoff berth. And I think if they, you know, they, they need to keep him for the very next, keep him next season and onward and really give him a chance to have a healthy squad for a full season and, uh, you know, really prove what he's able to do as a head coach. I just have tentative concerns that the the front office would maybe feel like they needed to change things up there, and that really is not the issue at all. Um, So as long as they can keep Willie Green, I think the team's in good standing to – you know, make noise as long as they get healthy. That's the main concern. Keeping Zion healthy long-term is really going to impact the direction of this team. And Pelicans fans already know this. NBA fans know this. Um, but it's a big deal. And so we, it's kind of the main thing we have to focus on. You know, he's already a two-time All-Star at this young point in his career, despite missing all these games. When he does play, uh, you know, it's it's like he doesn't skip a beat. He's phenomenal. He plays very well, uh, is truly one of the the rising stars in the NBA. Um, there's just those health concerns. Outside of that, Ingram is still fairly young, and he's a true you know, secondary star, very good at what he does, bringing the scoring and the length and the versatility. Those two alongside each other, great fit. Um, kind of a unique, you know, Ingram taller and lankier at the small forward. Zion a bit stouter and stronger at the power forward um Zion shorter than Brandon Ingram it's a unique kind of uh wing tandem forward tandem but i like it a lot you know Valentinus uh is very solid inside he does a lot of unique things he stretches the floor he fits very well with this group especially with Zion's aggressiveness on the boards Valanchunas doesn't always have to be an impeccable rebounder um <clears throat> the question then with those three is probably the interior defense what they're able to do there. That's probably a big question mark for them. Outside of that would be um, is Jose Alvarado going to be that point guard, that starting point guard for them, or is CJ now transitioning into a point guard type role? Either way I think can work and be successful for them. Uh, CJ can be your scoring point guard. Uh, Jose coming off the bench as your defensive, you know, tool and your emotional impact guy or you can have CJ at the shooting guard alongside Alvarado and you get a nice balance between those two playing styles. I think either way can work. If you have CJ starting, then you probably have Trey Murphy alongside him. And then you have a really tall, versatile, long uh, starting lineup, which could really do, you know, some interesting things in the West. The depth I think is really exciting too. Uh, They've recently acquired Josh Richardson, who's a proven player and he brings a real defensive edge Herb Jones, who started a lot in the absence of Zion, uh, he brings a lot of exciting things to the floor as well. Uh, uh, you know, defense, uh, athleticism. Najee Marshalls really, you know, started to make a name for himself too, as a a physical player, an emotional leader, a, uh, you know, enforcer in in the modern sense. You know, Larry Nance Jr., with his length and his, his athleticism, Dyson Daniels, the backup guard, you know, the rookie um, Jackson Hayes is still in that mix. Willie Hernan Gomez. I think this roster is very, you know, very exciting and very tantalizing as far as their potential. If I'm coming at this from the perspective of a Pelicans fan, it's all just about, you know, we get healthy and uh you know have a full run of a season with our you know a healthy lineup uh the younger guys get that much better our all-star type talent continues to produce and willie green really gets a chance to show what he's capable of with that type of roster as a head coach uh if you get to that point sky's the limit i think i don't know if they're quite contenders but they're close they're you know third or fourth type team in the west they're a very stout group and they're very exciting and um, you know I think the outlook's very good for the Pelicans as long as they get the health in order that's the big question for the Pelicans at this point for me Um, you know and the Pelicans have have had some very exciting history and very exciting recent history in kind of some surprise moments and the team I'm talking about with this the team we're going to focus on is the 2018 New Orleans Pelicans a very recent team? uh They were 48 and 34 in the regular season, six in the Western Conference. Won their first round series in a sweep versus the third seed Portland Trailblazers. Lost in the conference semis, four to one to the Golden State Warriors, the eventual champions. But what a unique team and an exciting run for this Pelicans franchise. um Of course, it starts with Anthony Davis, the star at that point, 28 points per game, 11 rebounds. Uh, two and a half blocks, one and a half steals, phenomenal play, all NBA first team type of play right there. Um, You know, for sure the leader, but they had made that mid season trade for um, actually it was prior season. They had made the mid season trade for DeMarcus cousins. And he started out the season playing pretty close to what Anthony Davis was doing, 25 points per game, 13 rebounds, one and a half blocks, one and a half steals, five and a half assists. That front court tandem, Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins, in their arguably their both of their peaks, that was scary, and it was very potent for that Pelicans team. Alongside them, you have Drew Holiday uh, playing a, technically a shooting guard in this role. About nineteen points a game, six assists, four and a half rebounds. Rajon Rondo was the starting point guard, eight point three, uh, excuse me, eight points, eight assists. Uh, about a steal a game and then each Moore more filled in that starting small forward spot um, more role player than true starter but he was a great three-point threat 42 percent from three that season um, at about 12 points a game pretty decent fit alongside those guys uh, at the trade deadline they added nicole meritage as their sixth man their stretch four maybe even play the five if you really need him to and that was a super unique mix you know Darius Miller off the bench, great three point shooter as well. Ian Clark, another solid shooter. Uh, Solomon Hill with the size didn't play too many games, and then Okafor, a late signing, adding that forward depth, that center depth, front court depth is what I mean to say. Um, and so the point guard rotation, you have Holiday can probably just slide in there when Rondo's off the floor. Rondo's in there when Holiday's off the floor and is a starter anyways. Ian Clark can play those minutes. And so this mix, it was a very intriguing team. The only thing that held this team back, DeMarcus Cousins getting injured before the playoffs began, but they still win a first-round series and, a, you know, lose in a gentleman sweep to the Warriors. It was super exciting. Rondo and Anthony Davis were playing out of their minds in the playoffs. Holiday was steady as ever. Um, it was just a really unique team. You know, Ian Clark was back for the playoffs, played well, played um, well. And there's not really much more I can say. Miritich started in place of uh, Cousins and Anthony Davis became the center for that lineup. Davis's stat line in those nine games was unbelievable. 30 points a game, 13 rebounds, two steals, two and a half blocks. Um, Unreal. I mean, you compare these stats to some of the all-time greats, and we forget just how good Anthony Davis is and has been when he's Healthy and especially when he's the main guy on a team, you know. Outside of that, there's not too much more I can really add to what this team did. It was just a really unique, uh, unique team, and it was kind of the last great effort of Anthony Davis on the Pelicans. The following season, they were you know outside the playoff picture. They were 13th in the West. Anthony Davis uh, was still solid and then missed much of the remaining uh, games of the season with. You know, half injury troubles, half um, we know we're probably going to trade him. Let's not, you know, run the risk of him getting injured. They kind of shut him down for the rest of the season, you know, and it was it's a shame because that team probably still could have been decent. They had Julius Randle, who was just starting to come into into his own as a, you know, future all star type of player player. You know, Miritich was still productive. They had Alfred Payton, who was not as good as Rondo, but he was still a decent point guard. Holiday was still playing great basketball. This could have still been a playoff-type team, and not to mention they had Christian Wood off the bench, although he was traded – that was actually – no, it was that – yeah, that was that season he was on that team. Christian Wood was off the bench, and he was already showing that potential as well, this – they could have. They could have done some things. Anthony Davis still could have been a piece there, but the writing was already kind of on the wall, and that was the end of that Anthony Davis-led Pelicans team. But not if you don't. If you forget that last kind of whimper season, and you go the season before that, his last playoff run with the Pelicans, it was a pretty strong note to end on, and it was a pretty impressive, pretty interesting team all around. Um, when it comes to our historic player, our notable player. Uh, I went with kind of a unique pick, a guy that, technically, for the Pelicans franchise history and what's included in that franchise history, only played a season and a quarter with them, but he was their first All Star in their New Orleans history, and that's Jamal Mashburn. Uh, let me double check. I don't think anyone was there in the All Star game alongside him. Yes, first All Star in the New Orleans history for this franchise. Uh, And that's where their cutoff is, because if you'll remember, this is technically the team that moved from Charlotte. Of course, they started as the Charlotte Hornets in 1988, uh, or 89, one of those two. And then in 2002, they moved to New Orleans to become the Hornets. When the team that replaced them in Charlotte, the Bobcats, uh, you know, they, they were formed in 2003, 2004, somewhere in there. So when this team, the the new orleans hornets renamed themselves the pelicans that gave the bobcats a chance to reclaim quote-unquote that name for the charlotte fan base they became the new charlotte hornets and what happened was the old charlotte hornets history was then transferred to that franchise so the cutoff is 2002 and that is the beginning of the new orleans franchise history both as the hornets and as the pelicans kind of a long story but that means that jamal mashburn was the first All Star. In the franchise's history in New Orleans. And his first season uh was one of his last seasons of his career. He had a storied career. He went, you know, started in Dallas as part of that young, exciting tandem. It was Jamal Mashburn, Jim Jackson, and later Jason Kidd. Had a lot of potential, but they those three really did not work well with each other. In 97, he ended up being a trade piece to Miami. Before that, he was you know averaging close to 24 points a game four or five rebounds two or three assists uh good shooting and he was you know an all-star level talent he gets traded mid-season in 97 to Miami and uh is a starter throughout his run in Miami uh 97 through 2000 he's a starting small forward but He's a secondary or tertiary role in this point. At this point, that Miami team was a contending team in the East, led by Alonzo Mourning and Tim Hardaway. We've actually talked about them on our Miami Heat franchise focus. And so Ma- Mashburn was part of that team, but he was, you know, a guy that was going to be the third, fourth guy to shoot, compared to Mourning, Tim Hardaway, even you know Marley, Voshon Leonard. He gets kind of lost in that mix. That being said, he still averages about 16 points a game across his run there. The rebounds and the assists are still there. He was still a productive player, and his percentages were up. He just had his numbers production stunted by the fact that he was on a contending team, and he was a you know third or fourth star. He then goes to the Charlotte Hornets at the time. 2001 or actually 2000 is when he goes there the 2001 season and his numbers go right back up to that all-star type level you know 20 21 points a game uh six or seven rebounds four or five assists uh percentage is still great and he's at that level and he makes his all-star breakthrough not in charlotte but in new orleans the first season there and that was his uh what season would that have been his 10th season in the NBA, finally makes an all-star team. He's the leading scorer for a brand new New Orleans team. 21 and points a game, six rebounds, five and a half assists. Great percentages, 39% from three, especially for the early 2000s. Very stellar. You know, great, great run there. And he was, again, that initial all-star for uh, the New Orleans Hornets. The next season, uh, misses most of that season, three quarters of the season uh, with an injury, but still has those same averages when he plays a little lower assists, but still productive (laughs) misses the whole next season with a knee injury. And that ends his career. And that's it for Jamal Mashburn. And it's such a unique footnote because especially look at the playoffs, they made the playoffs their first year in new Orleans and his level of play in the playoffs, 25 points per game, five assists, three and a half rebounds on incredible percentages, you know, 40% from three, uh, 43% from the floor isn't great, but 40% from three is really good. About four three-point attempts a game. Um, the free throw percentages were decent, 71%. I mean, not that great, but 25 points a game in the playoffs, you know, leading a Hornets team that didn't have a ton else around him. Uh, you look at that team, they had P.J. Brown still very solid. Jamal McClure, uh was a decent you know, center as well. Brown and McGlore was your front court tandem. Uh, Baron Davis and David Wesley. Baron Davis was good. He wasn't as good as he would be later with the Warriors, but he was good. And David Wesley was a decent pro. But as far as a true co-star going into the playoffs, really didn't have much. And especially the depth of that team was not very stellar at all. So he was, you know, kind of an unsung hero, gets injured, leaves very quickly, you know, gets forgotten. And the Hornets go into a struggle for a couple of years before they add the, the true leader of those first great new Orleans teams in Chris Paul, but had to recognize him for what he meant to the the first run of that team in new Orleans. And uh, you know, his career as kind of a, you know, an interesting NBA career, just going to a few different teams being a part of some different eras, different storylines across NBA history um, and he's, um, you know, post playing career, he's doing pretty well for himself. He's done work for ESPN and he's also a successful businessman, uh, owning, a, he's a kind of a franchisee of different, you know, uh, uh, fast food franchises and car dealerships. Um, so he's, he's done well for himself post playing career and, uh, He's always going to be an important part of NBA history, and especially for this New Orleans team that's still trying to build a deep legacy in the, the rich history of the NBA. Uh, he still holds a pretty important place for this Pelicans franchise as a whole. Uh, so just wanted to give him a quick, you know, recognition there. That being said, that takes care of our franchise focus today for the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, we want to thank you all for listening to this bonus episode. We really appreciate it. Uh, Next time you hear from us, we'll either be a normal weekday show or it'll be another bonus episode. Uh, But until then, thanks for listening and we'll be back with you soon.